Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. We are your hosts, Associate Professor of Education and Enterprise, Philip Cummins. And prominent educational thought leader, Adriana Duprada. The Game Changers podcast aims to not only put a spotlight on the innovative ideas shaping the landscape of 21st century schooling, but to enter into a deep dialogue with those brave pioneers, the true game changers in education. Those individuals that don't wait for permission, leaders in education who are actually courageous enough to make real change in their learning community, as they foster the growth of each young person in their care to ultimately thrive in a new world environment. These are their stories. Cameron Fox is the founding head of Verso International School in Thailand. Imagine, in the middle of everything that's going on at the moment in the world and in education, starting up a school, starting up a school campus, getting things going and doing it all with a unique approach to thinking about the way in which students might be educated to thrive in their world using a design-driven international school. Imagine that. I can't wait to learn more about that, Adriano. Let's go. Well, I'm really excited to be with uh, you again, Phil, and of course with, with Cameron. But before we get into Cameron, Phil, how is, uh, how is Sydney going? Uh, look, it's good, Adriano. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're continuing in your vein of, of, uh, of territorial sensitivity. Um, and of course, I'll continue to defer to your misperception that uh, Sydney is the second best city in Australia. Well, it's not a misconception. I think everyone is very conscious of that. And, um, and anyway, we're going to move past that. Cameron, it's wonderful to have you with us uh, today on, on Game Changers in Series 4. Uh, our podcast has continue to attract enormous attention. And I'm going to get straight into the very, very first question, Cameron. And mm-hmm. that is, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal story? How have you gotten to where you are today? Okay, as you can see, I'm uh, walking along the corridor <laughs> because the, the Wi-Fi signal is not strong enough in my room. So first of all, we're in a very adaptive space here. <laughs> um, I'm originally from Scotland. Uh, I lived in Hong Kong for 26 years prior to coming out to, to Thailand last year. And I was the head of school at the American International School in, in Hong Kong. The opportunity to open up a new school in Thailand uh, kind of was presented to me by this, my previous school's owner uh, about five years ago. So for the past five years, I've been kind of wearing two hats. I've been wearing the hat of the head of school AIS in Hong Kong, and I have now found my space. That's really where I, where, where I was. I, I, I studied uh, politics and industrial relations in Glasgow at the University of Strathclyde before I went into teaching and then came out to Hong Kong in 1993. And I arrived on a Friday and I started working on the Monday and I've been in, in education ever since. Yeah, well, don't tell me, Cameron, that we have another humanities teacher amongst us. Uh, I taught English, actually, so yeah, oh, I guess. Okay, so, so you, have, you do have some redeeming qualities, unlike our, our, our learned friend, young Phil here, who, who keeps advocating for the, the virtues of teaching history. Anyway, we're going to keep moving. Can you Are you, share, done? Are you done, Adriana? Can you share with our audience uh, the work of the, uh, the Verso International School sure. in Thailand, which, of course, has just launched? Yeah, just opened officially. Kids came through the doors on Monday, so we're into day four. <laughs> uh, I mean, Verso is an incredible project. The story has so many layers to it. There are there are so many incredible moments that we've experienced over the past five years since we first started talking about it. Um, but I think what's just sim- the simple, unique piece of it is that we took the challenge of conceptually redesigning what a school 
could be um, with the purest intentions at the beginning of the process to draw on our experiences as educators in international schools from around the region, around the world, and really, you know, take the best pieces that we could find and pull them together. And, and when we did that initially, we, we got a group of, of colleagues that I knew from, from international schools around here to come together and, and try and, and come up with what, what, we, what could we imagine as a, as a new school. And we did a really good job, I think. But at the end of the day, when we reflected on it, everything was still the same. It was still the same school. It was still, mm -hmm. it was just very much a school. Uh, we weren't able to kind of break away from the, the sort of the conditioning that we had as educators, which then led me to think, well, if, you know, this is not really what we should be doing. We should really be trying to get something which is different. Um, but we found it very difficult to think differently. So that's when I approached IDEO, the, the design firm. And I asked them if they would be interested in helping us to reimagine and redesign school. And much to my uh, relief, they, they were super excited about that opportunity. And they joined us. And that was how we brought IDEO into, into the design. And they helped us come up with the conceptual blueprint of what Verso could be based on our belief that school had to change. So following your journey, Cameron, over the last number of years and, mm -hmm. and working in partnership with the, the organisation that you just mentioned, Audio, it's mm -hmm. been clear to me that uh, as, as a collective, you've made a real commitment towards the framework of design thinking and, mm -hmm. and, and moving the paradigm from the teacher to the learning designer. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of that encounter with an outside organisation but how the adults actually have taken to this kind of new framework. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I think one of the most important learning aspects for me uh, during the whole journey was to see how a design firm like IDEO operates. It was really mind-blowing to see the way that collaboration and that creative problem-solving with a very human-centered approach Mm -hmm. um, you know, actually played out. You know, we've read about it for years. We, we've, we've, you know, design thinking has been talked about in schools for, for quite a while. But actually to be at the heart of, of, of that organization to see how it actually manifests was, was life-changing for me because I saw um, incredibly diverse teams of people working together in a very optimistic, creative way, you know, having a, this methodology that managed to, to bring all those different perspectives together and, and somehow come up with, you know, new solutions, different ways of thinking, because they embrace that diversity. And when I think about schools and I think about faculty rooms, we've got some of the most talented, creative, interesting, diverse people in the world working in our, our institutions. And somehow we've missed the opportunity to to create a working climate or organizational structures that allow that creativity to, to come through and, and to create dynamic experiences for kids. We get locked up in curriculum, we get locked up in grades and all of the traditional conventions that come with school. Uh, and when, I worked with, when we worked with IDEO, we could see that the power of that creative force with people working together using design thinking was remarkable and very, very applicable to, to a school setting. So that was, that was the inspiration. And so, so how did you get the teachers then to rethink who they are as learning designers? 
it's it's a work in progress you know when we when we brought together our initial learning design team sort of the year before the school started we brought a team of 12 educators down into into bangkok and we've been here since then um i was really naive in thinking that you know i've created a nice design space i've told everybody this is what we want to do and then i expected everybody to be able to do it and that's that's not that's not easy um you know we are teachers we're educators yeah. we've all been conditioned by school so for me to say i want you now to become learning designers yeah it was you know <laughs> i wanted it to happen but um that takes time it takes time for people to rewire to rethink to get into new habits to start using the mindset of a designer um, so what we've learned from that is that it's going to take time to build that culture to build that that you know that, that the, the rituals and the you know the behaviors that, that designers have but that's why we've hired people who are are keen to do that type of work who have got layers of talent um, we look for unique profiles when we're hiring people so that we bring in diversity, just as IDO did with, you know, with their teams. So it's an ongoing process, Adriano. It, it really is about culturizing people into be behaving like designers. So, so in a classroom or, or a school learning kind mm -hmm. of context, design mm -hmm. thinking draws upon the active listening, the empathy, mm -hmm. kind of logic, uh, mm -hmm. imagination, intuition and systematic reasoning and reflection. And of course, mm -hmm. then testing kind of solutions to explore possibilities. Mm. One, of the, one of the things that Versio International School is actively promoting is this notion of highly personalized educational experiences for each young person. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that you're gonna be able to achieve that personalization, drawing upon a framework like design thinking that ultimately animates so much of real world projects? I think the personalized piece is something that schools everywhere are, are going to face sooner or later. I think we're all starting from the position that our world, our lives are becoming increasingly customized, that we're, that we're personalizing everything from our diets to our fitness, to our TV channels, to, you know, whatever, our holidays, everything is on that track. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that school provides the opportunities for us to also create a learning journey that suits every, every student. That, that whole idea of standardization and making everything the same and measurable, I don't think it fits anymore. I think what we've got to really look at is the individual child and build the school experience around them. Uh, yes, we've got continuums. We, we know where kids should be when they're reading and, and their, their literacy levels, their math levels. We've got all of that. But that shouldn't restrain us or constrain us from developing experiences in schools which are, are much more personal for kids. So this whole idea of having a jagged profile, I think, is something mm -hmm. that we, we need to realize a little bit more. That all kids are not the same. We've heard Ken Robinson talking about the batch dating and the factory model and all of those powerful um, you know, powerful messages that he gave years ago. That's what's inspired a lot of us, a lot of our thinking, is to really provide a school that's committed to kids developing the way that they, that they should, not just being constrained by a curriculum. So design thinking is, is, is a methodology. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of looking at things. It's a way of problem solving. It's a, it's a powerful toolkit. And what we want to do at Verso is to, to help kids develop the skills needed for that toolkit. And that when they leave school, they're empowered with a, a way of thinking and working and collaborating, being optimistic, being able to build ideas quickly, 
um, be good listeners, all of those, all of those things, which just for us um, are the keys to success going forward. Cameron, if I can, I want to just unpack a little bit of this and, and yeah. sort of step back a bit, because what you're talking about there is entirely the context of how we prepare students to thrive in their world, which is mm. really what our whole series is about. And, and this conversation is going to, uh, you know, this is the first conversation in the series. The conversations after are going to feature a whole series of mostly young entrepreneurs who are out there thriving in the world. So this conversation always sets up what we're going to be exploring with them. One of the theories that we have that's drawn from our research is that how you get from intention about competencies and character and wellness and, and all those qualities that you mentioned are the sort of overriding qualities of adaptive expertise and self-efficacy. So how we organise our competencies and our character and wellness and how we adapt to that process. I heard you say earlier when you were talking about making the decision to uh, how to set up Verso mm -hmm. that you, you had to take a step where you realized that something was wrong and then mm -hmm. you had to act on that mm -hmm. even though you didn't necessarily know what the answer was. When mm -hmm. we talk with young entrepreneurs, that's their whole world. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, though, that's not the world of teachers, is it? No. Traditionally, no. the world of teachers is operating from a gentle, patient warm relational craft type approach an artisanal approach where you develop known solutions and then with the best of intentions you keep putting those solutions in play the world doesn't operate that way anymore how do we help teachers develop the mindset to shift from the known to the unknown to take that big step forward to be courageous Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge challenge. One of the keystones, I think, in, in the work that IDEO did and, and, and showed us is this ability to embrace ambiguity, right? It just, schools are not like that. They're not designed to be ambiguous. What we sell is stability. What we sell is heritage. What we sell is tradition, which everything is mapped out. And this is your school calendars are very structured. Our days are very structured. Everything is very structured in a, in, a, in a typical conventional school model. And what we're trying to, I think, tap into is the fact that that's out of sync now. That's not aligned to the reality of, of the world around us. And that as we prepare kids to go through school and come out at the other end of it, are we preparing them for the world that they're entering? And I think the answer is no. I think the answer is we can do better. I think there's a there's a lot of schools, there's a lot of educators who are who are aware of that. You know, there is a growing body of, of schools who are challenging that status quo. We're just part of it. I think there's a there's a movement here. There's a movement that, that realizes that that traditional school model is actually very fragile. I mean, we look at look at what COVID has done to us in the past five months. You know, look at the way that our systems have crumbled. Look at the, the way that we've struggled to adapt and the damage that that's, that that's caused. You know, every day we're hearing about um, the, another impact of, of this on schools, whether it's university applications, whether it's uh, IB scores, whether our whole educational system is very fragile. So it's, to me, it's a, it's a glaring example of a need to rethink. And lots of educators are doing it, but we're, they're only, we're only tinkering at the edges. What Verso is representing is, um, is, a, is a, 
very ambitious model, a very ambitious pioneering model that we can develop in a school on this scale that is going to, I hope, inspire um, and encourage other schools to step away from the, the safe zone of this is how we've always done it into something which is a little bit more progressive, a little bit more maybe exciting for us as educators, but definitely better for kids. Cameron, we would absolutely agree with you about the fragility of the model. We, we think it's more than just fragile. We think the model of school that, that, that we have is broken mm. and, and that it can't be fixed and that any attempt simply to go backwards is, is doomed mm. um, because the world, even before COVID, the world was already uh, requiring of us different things and, and the COVID circumstances are just putting into sharp relief the sorts of things that need to be done. On the other hand, you know, hearing you talk uh, uh, perhaps with um, some Scottish understatement about a little bit more different and a little bit of this. Sounds like it's going to be quite a bit, but it's still not revolutionary stuff. So we, we believe very much in an incremental path because we think that's how humans tend to develop best. So the challenge of the circumstance is we've got a broken model. We need to move people forward. We're also seeing around the world at the moment all sorts of attempts at social revolution which speak to both frustration but also the reality that revolutions don't work for normal people. Mm. So if we're going to, if we're going to help teachers to move forward, I can't help but think of John Hattie when he talks about um, mind frames and, you know, he talks about the eight mind frames of an educator and his starting point. And I think the first time he expressed this was in 2003. So this is nearly 20 years ago. And he's saying that you need to be saying that I am an evaluator of the impact of my work. It's as profound a statement about shifting a teacher's sense of identity and purpose as any as I've ever heard, mm -hmm. which says that we need to be output driven rather than input driven. We need to be looking at the impact of what we're doing and own the impact of it and own the relationship and get in there and do it as opposed to walk in and deliver mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a more traditional mode. It's taken 20 years and we still haven't embraced that. Mm -hmm. How are we going to help teachers to embrace a new purpose, a new social contract. Yeah, I mean, if we look at education, I think everyone recognizes it's probably the last industry that's being disrupted. Everything else is, there's been a massive disruption in, in, in what we're doing, but education has been so resilient. School has been so cocooned and safe um, and unwilling to change. Um, but that to me is, there's a groundswell. There are, there are schools around the world where a growing population of educators are saying, no, we, we need to do this differently. Um, so I think we have to tap into that. I think it's part of, as I said, maybe a groundswell, a, a movement. And I think Verso's purpose in that is to showcase, is to show that we can set up this, this huge, hugely ambitious project with a lot of ambiguity, a lot of questions from parents who are they see, they, they understand some of it, but they certainly don't understand all of it. Um, it's an iterative school. There is a lot of uh, testing and prototyping, just as you would do in, in a design world. And we are committed to developing a model that is based on that um, very iterative process. That's, that's hard for parents. It's hard for, for people to see because we're so used to school being, as I said, so structured and organized and predictable 
Um, so our job really is to pioneer, is to, is to make that change, is to show that it can be done and to encourage other people when they set up schools that you don't need to do it the traditional way. Look at Verso, they, 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 went to a, they went through a design process to get how they wanted the school to be. And their product will be kids who come out thinking like designers. And what our world needs more than anything are kids who can think like designers. It's uh, very interesting sitting here listening to you, Cameron, talk about a whole new kind of language. I just want to take a step back and ask a question that many of our listeners, perhaps the more conventional listeners, might be thinking, and that is, what is the place of knowledge, literacy, numeracy in Aversio International School? Yeah, I mean, it's still there. It's still very important. The knowledge is ubiquitous. I mean... Technology has allowed that, you know, that's the world that we live in now. We, we know the arguments against saying that schools are there to deliver knowledge. They're not. Schools are much, much more complex than that. I think the, the whole point of literacy and math is not, is not, we're not saying that they're not important, but it's how you develop them. It's how you make kids engaged in deep level thinking, mathematical concepts, basic literacy, basic number work. All of that still happens. It's a project-based environment. So again, nothing radically new. We've seen project-based learning working so well in, in many schools over the years. So the, that, that's, there's nothing radical about it. Mm-hmm. But all we're saying is that our intent is to drive learning from the learner's perspective, mm-hmm. to, make it, to make it something that they're engaged with. And instead of working in a traditional classroom with a classroom teacher, we are working, our kids are in mixed, ability, mixed age groups, and they're working with a team of learning designers. So our designers work with them. They're, they're in a, a variety of settings during the day, whether it's a, a community time at the beginning of the day where they get orientated or they, or they check in. What we have is what we call learning lab, which is basically where we teach literacy, where we teach mathematics. Mm-hmm. And then they have the project time, which is what which we call explore time. Mm-hmm. And then within that, we've got workshops, which are specific. So we, we upskill kids. It's just in time learning, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also have conversos. And the converso piece is the, in the, the time of every day when, when the student or the learner has individual time with one of the learning designers. It's almost like a coach. It's like a mentor, an advisor, perhaps. So... The kids are working in multiple age groups. They're working in a variety of set, settings. It's very diverse in terms of, of their day. And that, to me, is, is stimulating. That's what kids thrive in. They don't thrive in classrooms where we're all doing the same thing with one teacher. You know? So that's, yeah. that's what we're trying to create here. So there's a real focus on less deficit in terms of teaching and learning and more mm. about launching up about what ignites their passions, what inspires their creativity, what inspires their purpose and helps them kind of develop these skills and mindsets that are about thriving in this kind of new world environment that we find ourselves in. How do we take that from a learning context that's dynamic and exciting and at the same time attends to the emotional competency of each young person in your care and and supports their their self-regulation, their resourcefulness, uh, their development of the, the right levels of empathy and, and, and curiosity. How do, how do we tap into that kind of social, emotional side of, of their growth? No, I think you make it part, you make it a fundamental part of your purpose in school. 
So you talk about empathy, you talk about curiosity and inquiry. These are all parts of what being a designer is all about, especially if it's human-centered design. It's all about empathy. It's all about understanding a problem from the user's perspective. And that's what we'll teach right from the very beginning. Uh, we want kids to, to develop the skills of empathy. So building community, building trust, understanding each other, helping kids to become good listeners. Yeah. Um, these, are all, these are all the skills of a designer. These are all the things that, that we saw with IDEO. You know, the empathy, the understanding, the, the deep curiosity, which we know is something that kids lose as they traditionally go through school. Mm -hmm. So what can we do is to, is to hold on to that and, and keep that important. And as our students develop and build through Verso, that self-direction, that as we call it, the confidence to lead your own journey, mm -hmm. that becomes the defining characteristic of the kids here. That we, we, we build that, we build towards that. So when I, you know, I'm envisaging when we open our high school, which will happen next year, the kids who come out of that high school program will be self-driven. They will, they will know what they want to do. They will know who they are and they'll have the, the skills and mindsets to connect and build community wherever they go. That's basically the three founding pillars of, of Verso. And if I'm, you know, I'm a father, I've got two, two daughters, one's just finished uh, high school and one will finish high school this year. And if I'm being honest, that's, that's what's important to me is that my kids are prepared. They're ready. They've got the skills. Knowledge, again, we can, it's ubiquitous. I don't need to worry about the knowledge piece. It's about this, the, the ability to connect, the ability to understand, the empathy. And these are, these are the cornerstones of what we do in the school. I'm really enjoying listening to you talking, Cameron, about the fundamental educational DNA of Verso, and, and, and in particular as an old ancient history teacher, listening to the Delphic wisdom of know yourself coming to the fore. And you know, there's, there's nothing particularly radical in what you're saying other than it's common sense, it's expressed <laughs> in simple, clear language. You know, you talk about wanting an education based on how, how children think, learn, live and grow. And they're, mm -hmm. simple, they're simple words and concepts. How do we help schools to strip away all the guff and the stuff, all the things, all, all, the, all the jargon, all the, all the things that we think are important and instead empower the students who are co-creating their future with the adults in the process to get to the important stuff, to develop their sense of purpose, to know who they are, yeah. to find out what they want to do and then go and do it. Yeah. I think, we, again, we need to be intentional. We need to be deliberate. We need to be willing to recognize that that's important. You know, I think if we look at kids today, they are much more consumers than, than we were ever a consumer. They make consumer decisions. You know, they're used to a life which is customizable. And I think that is, uh, that's not going to disappear. That's only going to amplify more as we go, as we go, you know, go further in time. So kids will actually lead the change, I think, eventually. They'll reject a very traditional constraining model. They will opt for schools that give them greater freedom, greater choice, greater self-efficacy, greater um, ability to choose, but also to explore. Um, you know, we, we can't expect kids to take, you know, find the one thing that they want and, and that's what they're going to be for the rest of their life. 
you know, we know that they'll have multiple careers. We, we know that the world's set up in a completely different way than it was before. And you need, you need that ability to pivot and be agile and all the things that we talk about in design. These are the skill sets that our kids need and will want. And I think what you will see, uh, if I'm predicting, I think you'll see a, a, a movement away from traditional schooling. I think you'll see kids wanting to customize their education. Uh, it may, may become more obvious at the university level to start with, but I think that will filter down. I think kids are much more informed consumers now than, than ever before, and they will make choices. I want this type of school. I want this type of experience. So I think Verso is a, is, is a part of that uh, broadening of the menu, shall we say. We can offer something which is not the IB program, which is not the US curriculum, which is not the British curriculum. This is something which is really focused on kids, their learning, and it's, it's, it's brave because families are still thinking the traditional four-year university college path is the only way that my kid's going to be successful, and that's nonsense, utter nonsense. It's, it's interesting listening to a Scotsman talking as a brave heart. I, sorry, I couldn't <laughs> make that I, I want to, it's like, the, it's, it's so inspiring listening to you talking and projecting forward uh, in the way. Right now, you're in a really interesting spot for a school, aren't you? You've got this enormous vision of, of trying to do things the way that they should be done, not the way they have been done. And there's COVID and there's starting up a new school and so on and so on and so on. How are your teachers doing in all of this? Yeah, it's, it's an ambiguous space. <laughs> it's, uh, there's a lot of things which are not defined. Um, it's very iterative. We're building, we're testing. But that was the, that's what, we, that's what we, we're seeking in our, in our team. You know, this is a startup school and we're starting it up and, and we're, we're committed to, to thinking and working and being designers. So we're going through this whole process of understanding where we are and what we're doing. But that's exactly the point. That's what we have to model. We want our kids to see that pivoting and changing and, and being able to adapt can be done positively, can be done with a smile, can be done, you know, optimistically is, is, what, is what we always hear from, from IDO. You have to be optimistic about the challenges ahead. So, yes, there are many obstacles at the moment. And I think you, you said that the title of your, your, your sort of the discussions here is, are you thriving in your world? Well, when you look at the world around us and you think about pandemic and you think about, you know, some of my staff can't even get into Thailand yet. Are we, are we thriving? Well, it's very tough, very tough. But I think we are, we are thriving because it's when you're dealt, dealing with constraints is when innovation happens. You know, that's, that's where we are. We are in a very unique time. There are many constraints, but constraints are key if you want to innovate. And I think Verso has to model that. I think our, our attitude and our behavior is so important for families to see that, yeah, it's not easy at the moment, but we've got the ability to be creative. We want our kids to be inspired. Let's figure this out. And that's why design helps us. Uh, again, again, there's, there's, there's so much to pick up on there. I think there's something emerging from what you're talking about here, which is about the relationship between your capacity to self-determine what thriving means mm -hmm. and what wellness supports that. Mm -hmm. Because if you, uh, I guess if you've got a view of the world which is fixed 
and a view of your job and your purpose mm-hmm. as fixed, then you're going to look at in terms of, well, there's a set number of hours and a set number of activities and there's got to be this structure and this predictability and so on and so on. So if you're, if you're thinking that your job is to preserve the status quo plus or minus 2%, then if challenged in that way, then the wellness can collapse, can't it? Mm-hmm. So how do we help people within the community stay connected to that sense of purpose, which will allow them to iterate continuously and live in a world which is not as predictable as some? It, it'll take time. I think that's really, that's the investment. It's the investment in that belief that if you, if you continuously think and, and encourage kids and adults to stay agile, not to seek the, the comfort of predictability and that life is an exciting space uh, and we should be thriving in that space. Um, I think that's, that's a powerful sort of uh, coordinate for, for people to use. But how that, how that manifests in a school, there, where there are so many elements to what we do, you know, it's, it, really has to, it really has to go back to the driving purpose. What, are, what's, what is the founding purpose? What are our purpose pillars? Bring everything back to that. So we've, we've got very, three very simple beliefs that we have to keep everything connected to. And that is that we value your, your own sense of self, who you are, understand that. Your identity is, is, is important. Figure out that personal and that cultural piece. And then you have to have the ability to to connect with with people and then through that you will develop that confidence to know who you are and where you want to go i think that encompasses the wellness piece because when kids understand who they are when kids have the ability to question who they are and figure that out without it being prescribed or controlled that we're in an environment where that curiosity and the unanswered questions uh, they're, they're, they're they're okay to ask they're okay to dig into that's to me is, is where kids will feel this is a school where I belong. This is a, this is a community that gets me uh, and I, I can be who I want and no one's forcing me down into this very narrow funnel that conventional school does. I mean, we start very broad in elementary school and as we get through into middle school, things start to tighten up and then by the time we get into high school, we're funneling our children into a very, very narrow space. That's the, that's the success metric that we have in, in conventional school. So for us, it's all about opening that up, and it's almost the inverse. Open it up, give kids more chance, more opportunities, more ability to be who they want to be. And when kids are in that space, I think they thrive. I think that's where they feel this matters. I'm, I'm building me. I, I am becoming the person I want to be. I'm really excited by this conversation, Cameron, because, um, and, and Phil's going to just grit his teeth when I, when I uh, talk about the fact that, you know, I am a, an art and visual arts teacher and I've been doing this for 26 years. And in fact, design thinking has been the methodology that I've used in every single one of my classes for the last 26 years. One of the key elements of of design thinking from my context in response to Phil's question just a moment ago was that we have to help each young person move from this space of convergent thinking to divergent thinking. But Mm -hmm. we do it. And my role, my role as the learning designer, as the teacher, as their champion, as their coach, as their mentor, 
I don't care what label you want to put on me. My fundamental role was about creating an environment that fostered the psychological safety of every young person in my care. Because everything that you're just talking about there is about giving them the permission to take healthy risks with their thinking and their ideas and their, and their inherent curiosity Mm -hmm. and us actually saying to each young person, instead of saying the word, no, we're using a different word and the, the construct of yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. On a regular basis, because fundamentally it's about permission. And by me providing that psychological safety, I'm ensuring that my role is about knowing them, Mm -hmm. loving them and valuing them. And, and in my experience, uh, Cameron, every time I've gone down that particular path, as difficult as it might be, because we're dealing with young people who have got emotions and, and, and personal circumstances that impact upon how they feel in any given day, just like an adult, invariably, though, these young people thrive. One of the, one of the things that I should, in, in a design thinking kind of paradigm and class uh, a learning space, was that I made sure that they heard diverse voices. You you touched upon a moment ago this idea that we're living in a very customised world and that young people live in that customised space. The challenge, of course, is that algorithms are now designed to simply continue to give me information that's familiar to me or what I like. Mm -hmm. It's actually designed to exclude an opposing view. Mm -hmm. How do we ensure in that design thinking construct that our young people in this safe psychological place where they are taking risks, where they are following their curiosity and their passions, how do we also continue to expose them to the counter view, to the opposite, so that we can continue to challenge, uh, you know, their foundation and their thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, skillful, very skillful learning designers. And I think that's that, that relationship between the, the learner and the, and the educator uh, is is the key piece. So again, it all boils down to the mindsets of the of the educators in our in our building. So again, I have to be very um, very careful, very selective um, in the type of of learning educators that we want in our, in our school because that's exactly what what you want to have. Um, that's what liberal arts is is all about. It's about yeah. hel- helping people see different perspectives. So schools do that all the time. You know, we, we've got very richly resourced and well-qualified humanities teachers all, all over. And that's, that's vital, a vital component in the civic learning of, of, of kids. Um, but it, it boils down to a lot, very, in very simple terms, it boils down to our behavior. It's our attitudes. Mm-hmm. It's what we model. So again, diversity in, in our hiring is, is important. That can sometimes be a challenge. So I, I want to now shift the conversation uh, talking about thinking differently, mm-hmm. breaking, breaking free of the kind of restrictive nature of traditional classrooms. The learning environment at Verso is mm-hmm. instead inspired by the ideas of flow and movement. Mm-hmm. What, why, why is the learning environment design so important to complement mm-hmm. the yeah. philosophy of learning and, and wellness that's happening there? Yeah, very much so, and, and important to to emphasise the fact that the the learning, the design of our physical spaces, was shaped by what we wanted to do within them. Uh, it wasn't just the idea, oh, let's do some round buildings and we'll fit everybody in there. This all came through with the work that we did with Ideal. Um, there's a lovely lovely story about this. Um, when we were down with the Ideal team, this must have been 2015. 
um, we were down visiting the site. The site at that point was quite different from what it is now in terms of a lot of water, some significant pieces of water, which we thought might be an interesting design challenge. We might put some of the buildings on floats and things like that. Um, but one of the one of the designers on from the IDO team, Tiffany, uh, who is an architect by uh, by design uh, by by trade disappeared when we went for lunch and she actually came back down to the site and she took these beautiful photographs of, of the lakes and the water and everything. And that night she started to s sketch out what she thought the buildings should be based on the learning that we wanted to happen. And that's where the circular buildings came up. And it was interesting that just those simple sketches got taken on by the architectural team and, and we actually turned that into a reality. So the buildings themselves, we, when we talk about flow and movement, they're very simple. There are two floors it's in a circle. We've got um, what we call our loops. We have an inner courtyard in each one, which is you know, unique to the kids who, who go in that space. Uh, but basically, the, the learning spaces are very open. They're very adaptive. We can move walls. Uh, we can create uh, a variety of spaces very, very quickly. The furniture is modular. Everything that you're seeing in contemporary schools is here. There's, there's nothing radically new about it, but it's a very simple, um, a simple design, a simple way of managing space and giving kids and teachers a variety of settings and choice. Um, and that's, that's where the camera, and that's the thing. It's intentional. It's intentional, and the whole point of the loops is that it's it's ongoing. It's endless. It's interconnected. It's not a cell with a bell. We are in this almost like a like an ecosystem. You know, it, the, the way that the, the the architecture and the landscaping has been designed is to bed in with the original context, with the original environment that was here. So everything is interconnected, the outside, the inside, the natural world, the abstract. It's a very modern facility. It looks like a you know, state-of-the-art university campus in many ways. There's lots of glass and chrome, and it's low level, and it's very spacious. But then there's elements of very classical amphitheaters and, and you know, nods to, to the past. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus, a very inspiring place, I think, for kids. Um, and that was also, you know, very, very intentional. We wanted this school to be an incredible place to come. And that's for, for learners, for families, you know, and for teachers. Cameron, one last question. And, and as, as you've been talking, the word inspiring has been going through my head and then it comes out, it mm. tumbles out of your lips 30 seconds ago. So it's... it's mm. What, what you are describing is the most inspiring of learning environments. How can we help leaders in school environments to take seriously the responsibility to inspire and allow themselves to be inspired by their mm -hmm. communities? Yeah, I mean, it can be done, it can be done on so many levels. Um, it doesn't take a five billion baht uh, investment in a campus like this to, to effect change. We're just very, very fortunate that we have the opportunity to do this type of change at this scale. So that's where Verso is unique. It has a unique responsibility and an amazing opportunity to, to showcase that it can be done on a big scale. But what we also want to do is to inspire educators, um, school founders, people who are thinking about schooling, that 
it doesn't necessarily need to follow the same traditional conventional model that, that, we've, that we've seen. This is our proving ground that you can do school in a better way, but it doesn't have to be this. There's no other school going to be like Verso. This is a unique school. It always will be because of the design process that we went through. If IDEO were to work with another set of investors and wanted to build a school down the road from us, it wouldn't be the same because the process that they would go through would bring out something different. So that's the, that's the, the, the really beautiful piece about design. I think if you use a human-centered design process, it's always going to be designed for the users in, in your context. And Verso is, is unique that way. So I think it's all about encouraging people to, to look for opportunities at whatever level they are at. Um, I know that one of, our, you know, one of the leads from IDEO, Aneta, Aneta has got a beautiful presentation that she did at, the, at a TEDx event in 2014, and it's called Teachers as Designers. And in it, she just shows you some examples from the work that we did in New York that change through design can happen at many levels. And what we want to do is basically encourage people to think like designers and use those skill sets and those tools in whichever context they find themselves. So that's, that's really, we're not here to, to make everybody the same as us. We're only here as a model of what using design brought. And you can do that too. And at its heart, of course, is a community that knows itself and then is teaching children to know yeah. themselves mm. as well. So you're walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Thank you so much for giving us your time today in the middle of all the things that are going on in your world at the moment. We're very, very appreciative, Cameron, and we, we wish you all the very best in your exciting enterprise. I can't think of any school that, that would be better placed right now to be preparing students to thrive in their world. Thank you, Cameron Fox. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the, for the invitation. It was great to meet you both. Cameron, I, you, you might find that when, we, when the COVID-19 is over and we're allowed to fly, I might, you might find me on your doorstep uh, looking for employment because I'm just terribly inspired about uh, what is happening there. And, and yeah, really you're, very, you're very welcome. We look forward to welcoming <laughs> you. The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions. It's powered by a schoolfortomorrow.com and circle.education. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Spotify and on Google. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, subscribe, like, you know what to do. Let's go.